Before I get to the sermon, there's, uh, I want to say a couple words real quick. I want to thank, first of all, thank Alan uh, for coming in this morning, helping to uh, set up. Um, uh, Alan is an audiovisual guy, and he's going to help uh, help us out here a little bit with some lighting and some other uh, tech stuff that I don't understand. So uh, I'm so appreciative for Alan for being willing to serve. And if you want to serve on setup or teardown, uh, please let me know. We're always looking for people to serve. Um, so let me know. I also want to say uh, thank you to my uh, beautiful bride uh, for this new backdrop and the lighting that we have. That was all her idea. And uh, so we came in last night. She came in over, over here and pretty much did this all by herself. So, Liam, thank you so very much. I appreciate it. And I also want to thank my son Elijah uh, for filling in on uh, the overhead. Our daughter Zoe is with the Chos. Uh, they're coming back from Myrtle Beach today. Uh, and so uh, she normally runs it. And so Elijah's doing it for the first time. You're doing a great job, son. I'm proud of you. Thank you. Uh, today, we are going to be in Luke chapter 19. And so grab your Bible or your phone and let's go to Luke chapter 19. Let me ask you a question as you go there. Are, are, you, are you ready uh, to hear what the Lord has for you today? Yeah. Yeah. I don't believe you. Are you ready to hear what the Lord has for you today? Yeah. Yeah. See, uh, even if you didn't want to come to church today, right? Even if, even if you had other things you'd rather do, the Lord knew that you were coming here today, and he has prepared a unique word just for you. The creator of the universe wants to speak life into your life today. He wants to change your life today. You, not just the person behind you or in front of you or next to you, he wants to change your life. He has a personal word for you. And so the question is, are you open to what he has for you? And so real quick, just to yourself, say the prayer, come Holy Spirit, speak. Come Holy Spirit, speak. As I mentioned earlier, today is what we call Palm Sunday. That is your ham. Here, I'll, I'll stop that. That solves it. All right. Good thing we got an audiovisual guy now, you know. Um, but as I mentioned today, today is uh, earlier today. Today is Palm Sunday. However, it can also be called Passion Sunday. And what I want to do today is I want to focus on both. Palm Sunday is when we celebrate Jesus riding into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey, and the crowd is shouting. Hosanna, right? Uh, waving the palm branches. Hosanna. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, right? And that's what we're going to read here just in a moment. Now, Passion Sunday is when we focus on the arrest and the uh, torture and the crucifixion of Jesus. It's when the crowd is shouting, crucify him. We're going to look at that passage in a little bit. They're both found in the Gospel of Luke. So once you're at Luke 19, just keep your Bible open or don't close your phone. As many of you know, my wife, Liam, my beautiful wife, Liam, is, is from Venezuela. And growing up in Venezuela, she would tell all of her friends and all of her family that, that, that one day when she grew up, she was going to marry a gringo and move to the United States. She was convinced of it. And I am sure, like most girls, she dreamed of how her boyfriend would propose and what her wedding would be like. She had all these hopes and all of these dreams. 
Well, she got what she wanted, in a sense. She got her gringo. That's me, by the way. Uh, she got her gringo. She did get a proposal. I mean, it was, it was no, I mean, nowhere, no, that word's not big enough, nowhere near what she hoped it would be, but I did propose. I will give you just a small detail. It was in a mall in Venezuela in front of a diesel clothing store. I'm sure that's every woman's dream, right? I'm such the romantic. Um, but I did propose, okay? And she did say yes, all right? And she got her wedding. I shared a little bit about that last week. And the wedding was actually, I think, pretty close to what she wanted, I, I think. Um, maybe a different groom, I don't know. But it was pretty close to what she wanted. But see, most of the guys here don't understand how much girls dream about their proposal and their wedding. I mean, we know uh, that, that it's important to them, but we can't fully comprehend it. For, for guys, the proposal and the wedding are really just something we have to get through in order to get to the honeymoon. Let's just be honest about it, right? We know the wedding is for our bride, and we want her to love it. We just put our heads down and try not to mess anything up. We just want to go on the honeymoon, okay? Liam had all of these things that she wanted, and really she got them. But they did not happen exactly how she thought they would. She had these things she wanted. She got them. Not quite how she expected. Can anyone relate to that today? Right? You want this? You need this? And you kind of got it. Right? Kind of. You prayed for this. You, you prayed for that. And you got it. Kind of. You got it, but it's not exactly what you expected. That's what I want to talk about today. So we all have needs. We all have wants. And we think we have a pretty good grasp on what we need. And we think we have a pretty good grasp on exactly how our needs need to be met. What we're going to discover today is Jesus wants to give us what we need, but he might not give us what we need the way we expect it. So look at Luke chapter 19 with me. We're going to begin reading in verse 28. It says, after telling this story... Jesus went on to, toward Jerusalem, walking ahead of his disciples. As he came to the towns of Bethphage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, he sent two disciples ahead. Go into that village over there, he told them. As you enter it, you will see a young, young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks, why are you untying that colt? Just say the Lord needs it. So they went and found the colt, just as Jesus had said. And sure enough, as they were untying it, the owners asked, Why are you untying the colt? And the disciples simply replied, The Lord needs it. So they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their garments over, over it for him to ride on. As he rode along, the crowd spread out their garments on the road ahead of him. When he reached the place where the, where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. Blessings on the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in highest heaven. But some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, Teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. He replied, If they kept quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers. Now your Bible probably has a title for this section of scripture. 
right? Your Bible probably calls this section uh, something like Jesus' triumphant entry, or maybe it's Jesus comes to Jerusalem as king, right? There's no doubt that that is what Jesus was doing that day. It is a fact. Jesus was riding into Jerusalem that day as a conquering king. That is a fact. But what matters, and what I want to talk about today, is perspective. Right? We all know that if ten people witness the same car crash, there will be more than one explanation about what happened, right? It's a matter of perspective. From my angle, like car number one was at fault, but at your angle, it looked like car number two was at fault. Now, there is fact, and then there's perspective. And often our perspective is built on the fact that we don't have all the information, right? We may criticize the decision that management makes at our company, but the fact is that if we had all the information that they have, we would probably agree with the decision. I've seen that happen so often in church. The pastor and the leadership team make a very difficult decision, and then some people in the church just flip out, right? How could they do something like that? But the reality is the pastor and the leadership team has information that no one else has, but that doesn't stop a bunch of people from getting angry because they assume they have all the information. I've seen it happen in churches when someone has to be let go, and the church gets all upset. Why did they fire him? And you have to say, look, we can't share the information with you. If you had all the information, you might see it differently. Do you know what I'm saying? We think something is fact because we think we have all the information. And what I have discovered is often when I think I have all the information, I find out I am grossly mistaken, especially when it comes to Jesus. See, for us to understand what's happening in Luke 19, we need to understand the Jewish people. If you read the Old Testament, you'll discover that the Jewish people were, were waiting for someone to save them. They were waiting for a king to establish a Jewish nation. The, the Jewish people have been incredibly persecuted people throughout their history. In modern times, we think of the Holocaust, but the reality is that Jewish people have been mistreated from pretty much the very beginning of time. They were conquered. They were enslaved, but they had prophets that would tell them the Messiah is coming one day. The anointed one is coming. God will rescue us. The prophets and the people knew exactly what they needed. They needed a savior. They needed saving. They, they needed hope. And the prophets gave them an idea of what this Messiah would look like. They also gave them an idea of how this Messiah would save them. And so the Jewish people kept praying and praying and praying and watching and watching for the Messiah. For thousands of years, they prayed and they watched and they waited. Thousands, you and I can't wait five minutes for a cup of coffee. They waited thousands of years. And in fact, they're still waiting. But on that day in Jerusalem, here he was. Right? The crowd shouted that day because they were convinced. Jesus was the conquering king that they had been waiting for. And the Jewish people that, 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 that were there that day had probably known what the prophet Zechariah had said about the coming Messiah. You can find it in the book of Zechariah in the Old Testament. But in Zechariah 9, 9, it says, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. 
See, your king comes to you righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Well, here he was. Right? It had to be him. He was riding a donkey. He was riding a donkey into Jerusalem, the seat of power. This had to be the king. He was going to conquer what ailed them. The problem, as it is often for us, was perspective. See, they thought they understood what they needed. They thought they understood what they wanted. The problem was Jesus actually knew what they needed in order to answer the prayers. See, they needed rescue. They needed a savior. They needed hope. They needed protection. The problem was they defined what the answer to those prayers had to look like. The problem was they put the Messiah in a box of their own making. Church, no one puts Jesus in a box, just like no one puts baby in a corner. Yes, I just quoted Dirty Dancing in the sermon, and I'm ashamed of myself, so moving on. No one puts Jesus in a box. Because here's what happens when you try to put Jesus in a box. You miss what Jesus is actually doing. On that day in Jerusalem, the Jewish people knew, they just knew that he was there to save them. And yet, when he tried to save them, many of those same people denounced him. So look forward to the 23rd chapter of Luke. In Luke 22, you read about the last meal that Jesus shared with his disciples. And it was at that last meal that Jesus said that one of his disciples would betray him. That would be Judas. And then Jesus goes to the Mount of Olives to pray, and it's there that the guards will come and arrest him. Then you have the story of Peter being outed as one of the disciples by a servant girl and, and denying Jesus three times. And then, then we get to Jesus being brought before Pilate and Herod, where he's accused of blasphemy. And, and Jesus never defended himself. Right? They repeatedly gave Jesus an opportunity to renounce this belief that he was the son of God, and Jesus would, just wouldn't do it. And in fact, it kind of infuriated Pilate. And then in chapter 23, we read how Pilate really didn't want to deal with this Jesus guy. Pilate actually said he found no reason to charge Jesus with a crime, but then the chief priest insisted. And so they came up with a compromise. They would ask the crowd what they should do. So look in Luke chapter 23, starting in verse 13. It says, Pilate called together the chief priests, the rulers, and the people, and said to them, You brought me this man as one who was inciting the people to rebellion. I have examined him in your presence and have found no basis for your charges against him. Neither has Herod, for he sent him back to us. As you can see, he has done nothing to deserve death. Therefore, I will punish him and then release him. But the whole crowd shouted, Away with this man! Release Barabbas to us! Barabbas had been thrown into prison for an insurrection in the city and for murder. Wanting to release Jesus, Pilate appealed to them again, but they kept shouting, Crucify him! Crucify him! For the first, third time he spoke to them, Why? What crime has this man committed? I have found in him no grounds for the death penalty. Therefore I will have him punished and then release him. But with loud shouts, they insistently demanded that he be crucified, and their shouts prevailed. So Pilate decided to grant their demand. He released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder, the one they had asked for. 
and surrender Jesus to their will. Now, if you read how Matthew told this, tells the story, you'll find a very interesting piece of information. In Matthew 26, 27, 16, it says, at that time, they had a well-known prisoner whose name was Jesus Barabbas. Church, our Heavenly Father knows how to write a great story, amen? At that moment in Jerusalem, the people literally had a choice between two Jesuses. Jesus Barabbas or Jesus Christ. And in one corner, you have Jesus Barabbas, right? He's a violent rebel who fomented an insurrection against the Roman occupation. He's a man of action, right? He's probably had a, a sword strapped to his side, and he's always looking for a fight. He's, he's dirty hairy saying, go ahead, make my day. My movie quotes are really hitting the young people today. Uh, but he wasn't turning the other cheek. Right? If you hit him, you better hope you kill him because if he has a chance to hit you back, you're going to regret it. So that's one corner. That's Jesus Barabbas. But in the other corner, you have a man who wouldn't even defend himself against accusations. You have a man who preached nonviolence. He preached turning the other cheek. Essentially, you have a man who looks like a big wimp. The choice was clear. If you're looking for a savior, you're choosing Jesus Barabbas, right? If you're looking for a king, someone to bring you out of this occupation, you're choosing Jesus Barabbas. If you're looking for victory over what ails you and what ails you in your opinion are the Romans, you're choosing Jesus Barabbas. All this Jesus Christ guy would do would be to give the Romans a nice big hug and tell him he loves them. Yeah. No, thank you. Let's, let's, let's just bear with me. We're going to go for the 80s movie reference trifecta this morning. If you're singing Bonnie Tyler's Holding Out for a Hero for the movie Footloose, you're thinking of Jesus Barabbas. Okay, that's the last one, I promise. All right. If you know, my wife's so embarrassed right now. Uh, if you know you need someone to fight for you, you're picking the guy with the sword every single time. And yet you'd be picking the wrong one. The Jewish people needed a victory. And that is exactly what Jesus, was, Jesus Christ was prepared to give them. In fact, Jesus Christ was the only one capable, them, capable of giving them the victory that they needed. But because the Jewish people had defined not only their need, but also the answer to the, their need, they missed it when Jesus Christ answered their need. See, their victory came through a cross and not a sword. Their victory came through the shedding of the blood of Jesus Christ, not through the shedding of Roman blood. Their need was met, but not how they expected. And so they missed it. I wonder how often we miss the victory found in Jesus Christ because we are actually worshiping Jesus Barabbas. See, church... People are still shouting for Jesus Barabbas. The church is full of people who are shouting, Yay, Jesus! Until that same Jesus tells them to do something that they do not want to do. We're shouting, Yay, Jesus, because we need him to move in our lives. But when we see what he wants to do in our lives, we say, Actually, I was talking to the other Jesus. 
Sidney Lean told all of her friends and family she would marry a gringo and move to the U.S. I don't know exactly what this imaginary gringo looked like in her mind, and frankly, I'm, I'm too afraid to ask. But she had this want and this deep desire inside of her. Right? She was going to marry a gringo. She was going to move to the U.S. She was going to live a, hap a life uh, happily ever after life. Like I said, she got the gringo, me. She moved to the U.S. That third one wasn't going to happen overnight. The Lord answered her prayers, but not like she expected. She got me, but I was so broken that I almost destroyed our marriage. I've shared about this before, so I won't go into all the details right now. But there is no way Liam was asking for a gringo who was lost in addiction and selfishness. And there were times when she wanted out of the marriage because she was missing joy in her life. She was missing love in her life. She wanted to feel love. She wanted to be loved. She wanted to experience joy again. She had these desires, these needs. And there were times when the only way she saw that happening was for her to get out of the marriage. That had to be the only solution. Divorce. Just like the Jewish people, the only way for them to be free was for the Roman occupiers to be defeated. That was the only way. But no one puts Jesus in a box. Jesus' answer to Liam's prayer was not divorce. It was for not only for her to stay in the marriage, but for him to also do a miraculous work in our marriage. A work that continues to this day because I am still a work in progress. It's okay for you to say amen to that. But the fact remains, I love this woman with all my heart. And I know I frustrate her. I anger her sometimes. But I love her tremendously. But the Lord is working on me and us. And I praise God for it. Jesus' answer to the Jewish people looking for victory over their oppressors was to die on the cross in order to give them victory over everything that the enemy uses to oppress God's people. See, there are folks all over East Collin, maybe, maybe in this room right now, who are in broken marriages who think the only possible answer to their prayers to feel joy again is for them to get out of the marriage. But Jesus Christ is saying, let me show you a better way. See, this is the God we serve. This is the God who loves us. When we're standing at what we think is a dead end, he says, watch this, and he parts the sea. When we think the lion is about to devour us, he shuts the lion's mouth. When we think the giant will defeat us, he shows up with a few rocks and shows the giant who's boss. When we are thrown into the fiery furnace, he shows up and walks with us and keeps us from being even singed. I promise you, when the Israelites were planning to invade Jericho, they never expected God to use a prostitute to help them. Her name was Rahab. You can read about it in the second chapter of Joshua. Church, our God cannot be put into a box. You are missing what Jesus is trying to do in your life because you're expecting Jesus to do what you want him to do. Jewish people would have never expected their salvation to come through a criminal's cross. You may never expect your joy to be found by staying in your broken marriage, and yet that might be the exact thing Jesus is wanting for you. You may be praying for a change of scenery, 
But Jesus is wanting to change your heart. You may be praying for physical healing, but Jesus is wanting to heal you emotionally. The answer might not be what you expected, but it is exactly what you need. You see, between the day the crowd shouted blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord, and the day that they shouted crucify him, Jesus did not change. Jesus wasn't the guy, wasn't one guy on the first day and another guy on the other day that he wanted to kill him. He didn't change. The people changed. See, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Church, he is the Alpha and the Omega. He is Lord of Lords on the day you like him, but he's also Lord of Lords on the day that you're really annoyed at him. He doesn't change. He was perfect yesterday. He's perfect today. He's going to be perfect tomorrow. His love is perfect. His work is perfect. Our Lord does not make mistakes. So what does that mean? It means if we have a problem with anything that he's doing, the problem is us, not him. We are the imperfect ones. We are the ones with limited knowledge. We are the ones who are trying to use the limited knowledge that we have and decide what God should do. I'm telling you right now, that's never going to work out for you. You will find yourself where so many have found themselves, how many found themselves in Jerusalem that day, staring the answer to all your problems in the eye and saying, no, that, that's not it. That can't be it. There's no way that's our salvation. Church, if you're looking for Jesus Barabbas to save the day, you're going to be greatly disappointed. Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone is your victory. If you're looking for a sword, you're going to miss the power of a cross. If we're honest with ourselves, I think we have to admit there are times when we have felt let down by Jesus. There are times when we have felt disappointed with Jesus. Or times where we've been frustrated with Jesus. We have prayed and we prayed and we prayed about something and what we hear Jesus saying, it just doesn't make sense to us. What, what, what do you mean I have to sacrifice more? What do you mean I have to give more? What do you mean I have to forgive her? What do you mean I have to break up with him? What do you mean I need to change jobs? What do you mean I need to stop sleeping around in order to find a spouse? What do you mean I need to stay in my broken marriage? Jesus does might not make sense to anyone else, but it's exactly what needs to be done in your life. What Jesus says might not make sense to anyone, but it's exactly what, he, what needs to be said into your life. He is only Lord of our lives if he sits on the throne of our lives, even when we don't understand what he's doing. We cannot go from shouting Hosanna to shouting crucify him. When he does something we don't expect or like. See, a shout of Hosanna is the shout of a child of God. A shout of Hosanna is the shout of a child of God. Even when God is doing something we don't fully understand. Because we know that whatever he does is the best thing for us. That is a fact, church. So what have you been shouting lately? Hosanna? Crucify. Hosanna or crucify. If you feel you've been shouting crucify him, 
I want to invite you to the cross of Calvary today. The cross where Jesus died for you. The cross where Jesus took your sin on himself and paid the price for your sin. The cross where Jesus won even though the world thought he had lost. I want to invite you to that cross. If you know you've been shouting crucify him because you're mad at Jesus, or mad at what Jesus is trying to do in your life, I want you to look at him on the cross. He's not there because of you. He's there for you. He's there for you. Even though you mock him, even though you spit at him, even though you're mad at him, it doesn't change the fact that he's on the cross for you. He's on that cross to save your marriage. He's on the cross in order to bring you out of addiction. He's on that cross in order to give you a future. He's on that cross in order to bring you, bring you joy and peace and hope. He's on that cross to pay the price for your sins, to give you eternal life, to give you abundant life, to deliver you from the power of sin and death. Will you today start shouting, Hosanna? And give in to what he wants to do in your life. Even if it seems impossible. Will you today tell him, Lord, I don't completely understand what you're doing. But I'm going to trust you. I don't know how I'm going to walk on this water. But like Peter, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to step out of the boat. I don't know how you're going to save my marriage. But I'm going to trust you. I'm going to follow you. I don't know what you're doing. But I'm going to follow you because I know that I know you. And that, and that you are enough for me. <clears throat> are you willing? If so, I want to invite you just to spend some time in prayer today. You can do it down here on the pillows. You can do it where you are. I want to invite you to, to just admit it, to tell him, to say, Lord, I'm sorry for doubting you. Lord, I'm sorry for arguing with you. Lord, I'm sorry for wanting that other Jesus at times. And Lord, I want to give in to you. Lord, I invite your will into my life, even if I don't fully understand it. To have these needs, Lord. To have these needs. And I've been expecting these answers. And I think I missed you. I think I missed you. You're not where I thought you'd be. You're on a cross. Never in a million years would I think answer that. Lord, church, that's where your Lord is for you. Are you willing to admit that you've been asking for this other Jesus at times? Confess it, repent. Say, okay, Lord, I'm, I'm ready to receive your answer. Whatever it may be. So if you want to come down and kneel, you're welcome to as I close in prayer and sing or you can stay in your seat and pray. But I invite you to deal with it